Yo, what's up? This is Polly Shore, and you are listening to the best podcast in the whole world. PF Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Nick Griffin realized a long time ago that college didn't prepare him for anything but being a stand-up comedian. It was probably lucky that I found this, or... A curse. I don't. I still haven't figured it out. We'll hear more from Nick in just a few minutes. We have a brand new feature called "What Kind of Nonsense Is That?" I know you're gonna dig it. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. A California woman faces attempted murder charges after police say she tried to sneak orange juice bottles spiked with a lethal amount of rubbing alcohol inside a Starbucks. Her actions could have had serious implications for anyone willing to pay $5 for a bottle of juice. Hundreds of thousands of Cubans filed through Havana's Revolution Square on Wednesday in a May Day parade that paid tribute to Hugo Chavez, the Venezuelan leader who was the Caribbean island's top ally and benefactor before his death from cancer back in March. They waved pictures of former Cuban leader Fidel Castro, his younger brother President Raul Castro, as well as Ernesto Che Guevara, the Argentine who fought alongside them in Cuba's 1959 revolution. Others wore t-shirts depicting Guevara as they sat in a nearby coffee shop. Cuban Hipsters Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI will move back to the Vatican on Thursday to live out his retirement in a restored convent close to where his successor now leads the Roman Catholic Church, the Vatican said this week. What happens when a former pope moves in with the new pope? Find out on the new hit CBS comedy, One and a Half Pontiffs. Arizona Governor Jan Brewer this week signed House Bill 2455 into law. The statute makes Arizona the first state in the union and perhaps the only legislative entity in the world or even the entire galaxy, to require that weapons collected in a gun buyback program be turned over to licensed gun sellers and sold back to the public. Brewer also signed legislation that would require recalled food products, including those tainted with salmonella and E. coli, to be given to area food banks. So she's crazy like a fox. Oscar-winning actress Reese Witherspoon said she panicked and told police crazy things after her husband was arrested last month on suspicion of drunken driving and behavior she apologized for this past Thursday in her first interview about the incidents. Among some of the more outrageous things that she uttered, Legally Blonde 2 was a great movie! Bradley Cooper became the third actor to drop out of the Natalie Portman western Jane Got a Gun. Cooper was announced to play the villain in the film back on April 5th, but less than a month later, the Oscar nominee has confirmed he has backed out of the role. Meanwhile, Cooper's next film, Hangover 3, is set to debut on May 24th. I hope no one spoils the plot for me. I wonder what's going to happen. An Australian man standing trial on a charge of robbing a Wyoming bank on New Year's Eve told jurors in an emotional opening statement Tuesday that he was justified because he gave much of the money to the homeless. Corey Donaldson, 39, is acting as his own attorney in the trial in federal court in Cheyenne. After the robbery, he was easily recognized due to his accent and the fact that he put the money in his pouch before hopping out of the bank. And finally, Iceland, a nation of seafarers, has been stormed by pirates. The party, that is, just a few months old, took 5.1% of the vote in Saturday's poll, gaining three of the 63 seats in Iceland's parliament, the Althingi. And that's how it's spelled, A-L-T-H-I-N-G-I. What's the Icelandic parliament called it? The Althingi something? I don't remember. 
Anyway, it's the biggest electoral trophy yet for a movement founded seven years ago in Sweden by a group of rebellious file-sharing geeks and hackers, or pirates if you will, who scoffed at copyright laws. Now, as Icelandic leaders say, the party is the political arm of the information revolution. And all in favor of the legislative agenda say, aye! You knew that was coming, didn't you? And that's been Fake News with me. For a new bit on the show we call what kind of nonsense is that it's pretty similar to it's facebook not Factbook, except it doesn't involve facebook but some other bit of the internet in this case twitter so among the big sports stories recently we had tim tebow's release by the new york jets and basketball star jason collins coming out as a gay man these converged on a tim tebow parody account called the timmy tebow now nearest i can figure it's a platform for mostly satirical sports tweets and it's not as funny as some of the other faux sports accounts out there like uh, Evil Mike Tomlin or Bill Walton or faux John Madden. Although I'm really kind of over those, to be quite honest. But uh, he's got 30,000 followers, and he has some funny lines on there. And uh, also, the Timmy Tebow seems to subtly be pro-Tebow, as evidenced by the following tweet, okay? It says, Tim Tebow, I'm a Christian. Media, keep it to yourself. Jason Collins, I'm gay. Media, this man's a hero. Pound just saying. And then when I saw this, a voice in my head said, What kind of nonsense is that? Okay, first of all, that beginning bit. That never happened. No one in the media ever said to Tim Tebow he shouldn't talk about being a Christian. What I think has happened, and I hate to use this word, but there's been a disconnect between people who like the fact that Tim Tebow openly discusses his faith versus the criticism of his atrocious quarterbacking skills. Now, the pro-Tebos equate any mention of his highly suspect passing skills to blasphemy and criticism of God and Jesus. But no, when people talk about Tim Tebow, it's largely to debate how a mediocre quarterback almost became the starter on a playoff contending team, the New York Jets. But then the pro-Tebos take that as anti-Christian, and it all just feeds in on itself in a discussion that turns on and on and on. Okay, Exhibit A, bogus setup in that tweet. Now, Exhibit B, Jason Collins is pretty much a hero. Uh, yeah, he is. You see, Tim Tebow saying he's a Christian is not the same thing as Jason Collins coming out as gay, okay? In America, a white Christian man telling you who he is is not the same as a gay black man telling you who he is, especially in the world of professional sports. It's just not. But you can't pray and talk about God and Jesus in football. Oh, yeah. Dear Lord, we come before you again this week. Thank you for looking over all of us who are on the field today. This is from the 2006 AFC Championship game. That's head coach Bill Cower leading his team in prayer in the locker room. I'll let the coach finish up. And to continue to grow individually as we grew as a team. Allow us, Lord, to be inspirations to others. Be very gracious in victory. You all got so much to be blessed for. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. These will be memories that we will cherish forever. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Yeah, but it's different for Tim Tebow. You know what I'm going to do now, right? We'll put a wall of protection around me and my teammates today. And we can go out there and we can honor you with everything we do and say. I love you in Jesus' name, man.
This is from an NFL Network program called Sound Effects, in which they mic up a player and play selected bits of that audio along with the accompanying game footage. And in Tebow's case, it wasn't all just religion-based. He congratulates the players on the opposing team when they make good hits, even on him, which uh, I think ticks them off even more and is actually hilarious. I think it's really a good strategy on Tebow's part. And then there's a clip where he encourages Demarius Thomas after that receiver drops a pass, tells him he's going to go on and catch the, the game-winning pass. And later on, Darius Thomas catches the game-tying pass, and uh, so Tebow there encouraging his teammates, not not all God-based, but just telling his teammates, you know, not to not to be down, just to keep their head in the game. So he's a super nice guy, no question, but he's not being oppressed or persecuted while Jason Collins has already gotten some brushback on his announcement. I'm a Christian. I don't agree with homosexuality. I think it's a sin, as I think all sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman is, and LZ knows that. This is ESPN analyst Chris Broussard weighing in on the controversy. There are a lot of Christians in the NBA, and they don't want to be, just because they disagree with that lifestyle, they don't want to be viewed and called bigoted and intolerant and things like that, and that's what LZ was getting at. But nobody in sports is being hassled for being a Christian, okay? So, quick review. Tim Tebow, white Christian man, not oppressed. Jason Collins, gay black man, might be getting a little bit of criticism for a brave announcement that he made, okay? That's not the same thing. Just saying. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Nick Griffin is a talented stand-up comedian who you've seen on any number of late-night talk shows. He also headlines around the country at various comedy clubs and theaters, and he was kind enough to talk to us when he was in Cincinnati a few weeks back. Talked about monster movies and all kinds of things, including comedy. Here's our interview with Nick Griffin. Okay, joining us on PF's Tape Recorder, it's comedian Nick Griffin. Nick, how's it going? I am well. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. Um, I've interviewed you before, of course, uh, for print, actually a number of times between uh, Cleveland and Minneapolis and Cincinnati and so forth. I guess, yeah. Yeah, I guess for the benefit of the podcast listeners, though, uh, around the world and across North America, let's go back to the beginning. I know you're from Kansas City. I remember that. But... um. When you got into comedy, was it a matter of uh, something you'd always wanted to do, or was it friends said, oh, you're really funny, you should be on a stage somewhere? How did that how that all come about? I think it's like probably a combination of both. I watched uh, the, the Tonight Show and Letterman quite a bit and was always fascinated watching comics, so I'd always look for them to be on. But I don't think I ever really thought I could be a comic, or I don't know if it was a lack of confidence, or I just didn't know if that's what people like me did. But in college, I began to just write little nuggets down in a notebook. Again, I don't think I had any notion to go on stage. I just was doing it. Uh, maybe I thought I was going to be a writer or something. But I went to a small town in um, outside of Kansas City, and it was a dry town. So we had to drive into Kansas City to drink, and uh, we ended up at a bar that had an open mic night. They friends talked me into doing it, and, uh, you know, I really dug it. It was uh, something I never had, you know, considered, I don't think, and, and, and once I, I kind of got the bug immediately. Aha. Uh-huh. 
What was the potential career path before that, or, or was there one? Yeah, I don't know. I was in college, and I ended up getting a degree in communications, but I had literally no idea. I was a really, I mean, I, know, I think everyone is, but I was a really big drinker in college, and I <laughs> was um, probably a sophomore, uh, maybe maybe, um, maybe my first semester junior year, and I hadn't really thought about what I was going to do. You know, I mean, again, I liked writing and stuff, so maybe I thought I was going to be a journalist or something, but... I certainly hadn't made any efforts to um, learn a lot about it, and so it was probably lucky that I found this or a curse. I don't. I still haven't figured it out. I'm using an empty office here at my day job, and I think they're having a dance party in the next room. Hopefully, oh, it's not coming okay. through. Yeah, uh, that's knocked me off my train of thought. Now. Oh, I don't know. So, did you always find the same things funny? Because I just noticed now in my 40s that looking back, I always did kind of find and still do the same kind of things funny, and that kind of, like, you know, uh, shaped my humor. Uh, was it like that for you, or did once you got into stand-up, you started doing maybe some different things? Yeah, I think that initially I really liked a lot of comics. I mean, I liked the idea of somebody standing up there just telling jokes, and but as I got older, I, I, I really was drawn to guys who were talking specifically about themselves and their life. I remember being introduced to Woody Allen stand-up early on, and even some of the guys that, that maybe aren't known as personal but talked about their life. You know, Seinfeld had a couple Letterman sets that were, you know, he talked a little bit about his life that I found really fascinating. But Richard Lewis was a very early influence. I remember him talking a lot about being in pain and being depressed and being kind of a failure with women. And, and it didn't just come off like jokey, like um, some sort of uh, vaudeville comic. It really talked, it seemed like this guy was really coming from the heart. So that really appealed to me, and, and I still think now, I, I, although I appreciate and have friends who do all different kinds of comedy, I, I really do like guys who talk about their own life. Um, I, I'm a real big fan of Louis C.K., and um, uh, yeah. I like what he does. And, and uh, yeah, that does seem to be, um, I know a lot of your stuff is, is uh, sort of like that, um, but a little uh, observational as well. You have to throw some funny bits in like that. So you, you did become a writer, though. You uh, worked on the Keenan Ivory Wayne show and did things like that. Did that allow you to flex, I guess, uh, a different comedy muscle? Because you really can't talk about... I mean, I guess you can draw from some experiences in your life and make them sketches and so forth. But did you get to flex a different kind of comedy muscle doing that kind of work? Yeah, a couple of those things, like uh, like Keenan Ivory Wayne's show was just a fluke. I actually auditioned to be on the show as a comic, and then for some reason they, they didn't let me go on. There was a there was a, screw up, a double booking, and they said, well, if Nick wants to submit jokes, and then like the second time I submitted, they, they wanted to hire me. And back then it was probably 1998, I think, and I, it was some ungodly amount of money. Well, I mean, not ungodly amount of money. So it was, it was uh, I think, a couple grand a week, but that was crazy back then. Oh, and, yeah. Um, so I was just a young guy, and yeah, I took that for a while and did that. But yeah, and and, 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 and since then I've written on a couple things. Tom Papa, who's a comic, he he had a yeah. private last year. I worked on that, and a lot of times, especially at this point in my career, I just like the break from doing the road. And um, you know, it's such a lonely business being a comic because you're pretty much by yourself all day. I mean, for the most part, and you know, that's week after week after week. So sometimes. I've taken these writing jobs to just to be able to hang out with other people, hang out with other writers, take a little break, maybe, you know, fresh in my head. 
Do you ever uh, get to the point where you're like you uh, allowed to bring your feature with you and you hang out with your feature, or because uh, I know a lot of guys do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I would say about half the time they let me do that now, depending on on, on which club and and how well the booker knows me. You know, there's sometimes I, there's uh. a couple bookers in the country that that book four or five or ten clubs and. And there's one that one of those guys who lets me bring in my feature all the time now. And sometimes I won't go out if I can't bring my own feature, not just because I want the company, but you know, you just end up getting booked with people that aren't very good, and it's, it just it makes it such a miserable uh, time. That would add an extra level of stress, I think. Yeah, not knowing who the absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so who who do you feature with normally? Uh, I feature with a couple guys. One guy named Ben Moore. From uh, Indiana, a very funny young guy out of uh, out of Indiana that I just ran into. Um, he did a guest set in Peoria, Illinois, one night, and I was like, "Wow, that guy's really funny, and he's kind of clean, and he, he he sounds like he's doing it for the right reasons." And and then there's another guy named Forrest Shaw, who I use now, and a guy from Ohio, uh, from Akron, actually named Bill Arendale, who I like a lot, and I, I like to use. Okay. Sounds good. We'll have to keep an eye out for those guys as well. Now, if I recall correctly, uh, you also had an interest. I hope this is you, and after you interviewing hundreds of comics, and maybe I got people mixed up. You have kind of an affinity for monster movies. I do. Yes, I grew up it was with, you. Uh, <laughs> I remembered correctly. I grew up with. Yeah, you, you got a good memory. Yeah, I grew up with an older brother who was obsessed with um, horror movies, and we watched them every single Friday and Saturday night. And it's got, it got into my blood. And I still go see a lot of horror movies. I actually, you know, because I have all that extra time on the road, you know, I started as a kind of enthusiastic hobby writing movies. And, and, and I've not sold any, but uh, I have uh, written a handful of horror movies. And, uh, yeah, I just, I get a kick at it. I don't know. It seems like the older I get, the more I go back to things I really enjoyed when I was like 14 and, I started listening to a lot of the same music now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely um, see horror movies. So let me ask you, growing up in Kansas City, I'm sure there must have been uh, a late-night horror host that was hosting these things. Uh, who did you guys have there in Kansas City? I think his name was Ed. I, wanted, I mean, I know his name was Ed. I don't know if it was Evil Ed. Like, he didn't dress up, but he was surrounded by all these all these kind of weird people. I think he ended up being not so good a guy. I think he ended up ah. sleeping with somebody underage or something. Oh, but good yeah, Lord. there was a guy that was called Friday Fright Night, and um, and he hosted that. Interesting, because I'm, I'm thinking now maybe in Cleveland we had a unique situation where um, we had three different guys, well, a duo, Houlihan and Big Chuck, mm-hmm. We had the ghoul. It was originally Goulardi, and that was Ernie Anderson, who later became the voice of ABC. The love boat, that guy. And his son yeah. is Paul Thomas Anderson. Okay, so we had him, and then uh, the ghoul took over for him with his blessing uh, on a different station. Then we had Superhost on Saturday afternoons. But the common thread here was not only did these guys host the horror movies, but it wasn't. They did dress up, but they did a lot of like sketches and stuff between uh, like the commercial breaks and so forth. And now that I'm thinking about in Pittsburgh, my friends go up with Chili Willie. He wasn't really like that. Uh, whoever the guy was down here in Cincinnati didn't do a lot of that either. I mean, it was light, but it wasn't like... Um, I think for some reason, Cleveland seemed to really embrace a lot of comedy with their horror films. And I'm starting to find out that really wasn't the case in other parts of the country. 
they did a little of that with with the Ed guy when I and and I mean it was literally between the commercial breaks and 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 stuff. But um, I have a bunch of uh, Cleveland friends, and we always shared our um, scary host guys uh, story. So I knew all about Gallardi, and that's funny. Yeah, that, that should be a. Uh... I should write some kind of an article about that and just kind of get people's yeah, opinions absolutely. on who's uh yeah because there's still a guy that's on um there's some independent uh, network that we get because we don't have cable anymore we just go over the antenna and I think it might even be RFTV or one of the or me me TV might be one of those where that shows a lot of reruns mm-hmm. during the day and on Saturday nights they have a guy that was a movie host somewhere in the country and now he does it nationally across uh, me TV but again it's not not a lot of sketches but it is kind of lighthearted stuff. And then they show a, you know, a serious monster movie, and yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, that's probably kind of what, it's interesting, because you, you kind of gravitated more toward the movie, I guess, because you didn't have the comedy, but, but I, I, I think that's one of the things that really informed my sense of humor, was the, the skits these guys did, a lot of them, especially Hulan and Big Chuck, were parodies not only of national commercials, but of local stuff, which... Um, oh, are, that's funny, yeah. 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 Interesting. So, um, what other things would you like to do with your comedy that you haven't done yet? You know, you've done the, the TV writing thing and, uh, and, and of course, stand-up, obviously, but what, uh, what would lie ahead that you would really like to take, a, take on as a challenge? Well, I think, like, like I was mentioning earlier, I, I've written screenplays. I, would, I mean, that would be a real thrill to get a screenplay produced. You know, I, I, you know some of my um, horror movies are kind of funny. I, I would say they're along the lines of, um, you know, like a Lost Boys or a Shaun of the Dead where there's a lot of humor in it. Okay. And uh, so that, that's something I still want to do. Uh, I know a lot of comics in the last handful of years have started to put out books, you know, humor books. And I just started... Uh, not that anyone's asked me to write it like I have a publisher or anything, but I've just started to write some essays to oh, okay. uh, hopefully someday someday get published. But And obviously, like like I mentioned earlier, you know, Louis C.K., I would like to get it to a point where I can do, you know, even small theaters and get out of some of these, um, get out of some of the clubs uh, or just do, you know, theaters for the, for the fact that I get to do theaters. Um, that would be a thrill. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty sweet gig. Oh, this book thing, what you ought to do is yeah, I know you used to used to do uh, blog posts a while ago. Yes. Um, you should just do those again, and then you can just collect all those up and stuff them into a book. And uh, I know some people that have done that. And that's well, that's the way to go. Yeah, yeah, I've got. A, I, I I did. I grabbed a handful of those and uh, and trying to put some others together. And um, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, you know, the the so many of these. Comics like the Louis C.K.'s and uh, Patton Oswalt, and, and there's a handful of comics that I think have really expanded the whole business a bit. Where there's different things that maybe you weren't thinking about 20 years ago. You know, putting together your own tours and playing, oh very, yeah, like playing rock clubs and that kind of thing. So um, it certainly got me thinking. Yeah, and and this whole thing with. Uh... Gaffigan and Louis C.K. and I guess other guys have been just distributing your own DVD from your website, five bucks a hit, and uh, eliminate the middleman. And... Yeah, and I think that's obviously, I mean, the model of the future. I, you know, I don't think people are going to be for much longer doing these. I mean, I think there'll be huge events like this Louis C.K. who I think is this weekend, um, huge events where some gigantic name like that is going to do HBO specials. But I think, you know, fewer and fewer people are going to going to put their, they're just going to do it online because it's the way to, you know, get the money directly and talk to your specific audience directly. 
Yeah. How do you um uh you know kind of cultivate your audience? I know you're a, a fixture there on the late night talk shows. Is that uh, fertile enough for you? Do you like do you do the Bob and Tom thing? Although I've heard from some folks that that really has kind of gone south. Yeah, I still do Bob and Tom, not as much as I used to. Um, that's more of a scheduling thing than any than anything, a scheduling problem, just because I haven't been able to um, go through that as often as I'd like. But I do, um, you know, I think right now the big thing is Twitter. I try to, you know, tweet a couple times a day and, and stay connected that way. I, I have a handful of people on Facebook, and that, and then I have my own mailing list, I should be probably better at galvanizing all of them and pulling them all together. One of a billion things I say I'm going to do uh, and don't. But I think I, I, I sometimes, and this is just me, I don't know, I feel like there's so much noise out there in terms of constantly connecting with the audience and letting them in on stuff that that it drives me up as a you know creative person. And I, I like to you know, take some time off between that to, to you know, create more material. And uh, and uh, I think I have a little bit of a slower process in terms of, of creating more material, like uh, rather than, you know, Lucy C.K. and Bill Burr. And, and as you said, Jim Gaffigan, these guys are so prolific and they've raised the bar so much that it's really upped everyone's game. And, uh, and I think, uh, you know, I spend a lot more time maybe more time now than I did five years ago just sitting in front of the computer trying to write new material. Yeah, is it tough to do that? Because I know is that's always been the two schools. It's been people are like mostly of the school of I kind of think of the idea and maybe they'll take it up on stage and work it out or they'll sit down once they have the idea and work it out versus people. I only know a handful of guys I've ever talked to uh, and gals who actually will force themselves to sit down for an hour or two each day and say, I'm going to write. Yeah, I think for me, I have to do that. I, I don't know why. I don't, I'm not a guy. I don't think I've written 10 jokes on stage in my life. I, I, I really have to sit down and um, craft them and figure out exactly what kind of, you know, topic I want to talk about and work it out and, and edit it. And, and I, I'm also one of those guys, if I haven't seen it written down on a piece of paper, I don't remember it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know if that's because I'm old or whatever, but yeah, I, I really do. I am one of those guys who five five days, six days a week sit down and write for an hour, an hour and a half. Well, that's and, cool. And, and 99% of it is nothing happens. I mean, I, yeah. if I could write one joke every two weeks, that would be amazing. But, you know, I still have to sit down there and do the digging. Yeah, like I said, you got to find that, find that hunk of gold in there. Right. Um, well, this will be in print uh, I mean, uh, next week when you're in Cincinnati. Um, the podcast will drop uh, probably in a couple of weeks because I've been lucky enough to have a, a great list of uh, guests lined up. When I saw you were coming to town, this I've got to talk to Nick for the podcast because you know we've I know we oh, sp- like we've spoken before for print, but um, I figured it'd be a, a fun guest to have on the show. So I'll let you know. Um, I'll send you links to both when uh, and to your webmaster so you can put them on the website and stuff. Thank you so much. Cool, man. All right, looking forward to seeing you in town next week. All right, great. All right, thanks, Nick. Bye-bye. All right, bye bye.
Thanks again to Nick Griffin for being on the show. You can catch Nick live May 9th through 12th at Side Splitters in Tampa, and you can also catch him at the Side Splitters up in Knoxville May 16th through 19th. For all other things Nick Griffin, go to nickgriffin.net. All right, uh, some other news to take care of. Andy Hawk and the Trainwreck Endings, the new album, Sorta Kinda Maybe, is out now in iTunes. So I, I'm assuming it's available at all other sources as well. So just go to iTunes and search Andy Hawk and the Train Wreck Rendings, or sort of, kind of, maybe it should take you to the right place. And uh, go to andyhawk.com for all things Andy Hawk and the Train Wreck Endings. Uh, Andy wrote a song for another artist, Emma Rowley, called Prettier Song. You can uh, have a link to the download for that as well. So uh, things going pretty well for Andy, it looks like. As far as me, I will be in the Funniest Person in Cincinnati contest May 29th. That is a Wednesday at Go Bananas in Cincinnati. Please come out and support me. I need all the help I can get. And if you heard my set, you would understand why. And then starting Thursday, May 9th, and every Thursday after, hopefully for a while, we'll be doing PF Trivia Live at McLeavy's next door to Go Bananas in the festival marketplace there in Montgomery, Ohio. All right, so uh, the credits then. Thanks to Kit Westendorf for doing What Kind of Nonsense Is This? He uh, did the tag for that, and you can reach him on Twitter. Just search Kit Westendorf. Uh, We also have the link on the Podbean page as well. So if you need any kind of voice work or anything from Kit, uh, you can find him there. Also, by the way, our friend Big Jim Lugers of the Big Pretty Podcast, also available for voice work if you need uh, such. All right, uh, so let me see. Check out Fangirl's new blog, Check Check Hey, along with her photo blog. Uh, more stuff to come there as far as uh, rock and roll pictures and reviews and stuff. Follow me on Twitter, PF66. Like this podcast on Facebook. PF Tape Recorder logo designed by Dan Koble. Dan and Logan's new podcast, Magic Potion, is available in iTunes. Just search iTunes for Magic Potion. You can email the show, pfwilson84 at gmail.com. Music composed and performed by Doug O'Connor and John Veropolis with a little help from me. And that is all the time we have for this week. Other than to say so long and thanks for listening. 